0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar Listener Q&A show. Happy day after Christmas. It is about 11 a.m. here on Monday the 26th. I have our two official mascots of the show. That would be Rocky and Rosie sleeping on my right here in the office. Complete bums and I'm a little jealous, but... Hope y'all had an amazing Christmas for those of y'all who celebrate Christmas. And for those of you who don't, I hope you had a awesome holiday break. And if you didn't have a holiday break, well, I guess this is just a really normal episode. I'm going to say a big and huge thank you to all of y'all for sending in your questions that power the show each week. Also to our friend, Jerry Sidith who puts the questions together for us. And then finally... Our last big batch of thank yous go to Cooper Tires, who power the amazing Anderson Promotions USF Championships, along with making mighty fine road vehicle tires. Also, great, great friends. Friends dating back to the early 1980s. Justice Brothers Automotive Chemicals and Lubricants. And then finally, Motor Racing Memorabilia of the finest sort found in good old canada that would be torontomotorsports.com pay them a visit take something home make yourself happy all right uh we're just going to dive right in and get going with your cues hopefully i'll have some a's uh since the list was compiled by the way by jerry we had indy car uh poop in the bed yet again chronic bed poopers Is, is there some sort of we could get them is there a shot they need um rubber sheets i don't know uh hey iRacing (laughs) and the vendor who will not be named uh that they've chosen to make their future question mark future uh uh, gaming platform option solution Uh, oh boy so yeah I expect some more questions coming in about this. I had plenty come in for the racer mailbag that'll go up on Wednesday, but uh, I'm sure the next episode of this show will indeed include some insights from y'all about the iRacing bed pooping scenario. Why don't we kick off, though, with our pal Stuart Arith He says, with the IndyCars now keeping the 2.2 liter formula, how will the bodywork fit with the hybrid system in there as well? says uh, i'm assuming there will be very little space as it is i says can we also expect somewhat of a difference in bodywork starting in 2024 why don't we kick off with the first part and i know this is little technical correction here and even i make this mistake too cars are not receiving a hybrid system they're receiving a second form of propulsion and so it's with that second form of propulsion, that being an energy recovery system uh, that makes the overall powertrain a hybrid since we have two components working together to propel the car. So, you know, nomenclature, whatever. But yeah, um, where the Molly system, which has finally been confirmed, where the Molly system fits is all within existing aspect and area of the car Stuart. so it's going to sit between the gearbox and the internal combustion engine in an area referred to as the bell housing bell housing is the actual component that bridges the engine and the transmission so sits in that area so the motor generator unit that captures energy under braking and deploys it under acceleration it sits in a place where there's no real extra room that it has to take up it just has to be fitted into this existing area so therefore with the existing motor staying in place instead of the bigger 2.4 liter We'll have to see what they end up choosing, but I do think we might stick with the same radiators, at least dimensionally. Could they change in thickness? Could they right, Could there be some differences there? Potentially. With the 2.4, which is no longer happening, there were complete changes going on. Brand new radiators in terms of size, new ducting, uh, knew everything. And so that was indeed going to require some not only changes beneath the bodywork with that ducting, but potentially at least on one side, one side pod uh, I'd heard was possibly going to have some changes to accommodate additional ducting. That additional ducting, at least as I was told under the former formula, was to feed air into the energy recovery system, the MGU with the car staying with the same motor. Is there going to be a need to reprofile the side pod and anything else in order to accommodate that ducting? Or can they do it with what they already have the space they already have? That's a question that I asked Jay Fry here a week or two ago. And he said, we're still figuring that stuff out. So, I do expect some new things beneath the bodywork, just to feed air to try and cool some things. Question though, answer forthcoming here in the next weeks or months. Will there need to be any reprofiling of at least one side of the side pods to make that stuff fit? So not totally sure, but uh, we'll find out soon. When we go to Christopher Davis, says I read that NASCAR's race team alliance is considering running non-sanctioned races outside of the NASCAR season made me wonder if dissatisfied IndyCar teams could stage their own non-points events in important markets like Mexico without the blessing of Penske Entertainment. The idea sounds cool at first, but would history be repeating itself? Yes. (laughs) We need a breakaway series, Christopher. It's funny. Uh, I was thinking... Having the same thoughts recently and having been through the split uh from beginning to end I don't want it. I don't want another one. I don't want the split split. Um But I have been wondering of late, like has there come a point where the folks running IndyCar are so old and out of touch with the modern consumer, the modern driver, the newer team owners. Is there just such a disconnect where they go, hey, you know what? Uh, We got some different ideas and maybe we need to go try them out on our own. I don't foresee that happening at all. And here's at least one reason why. Across the top 22 teams, IndyCar pays out a little over a million dollars a year. It was a 1.2, I think, for those leader circle contracts. Guaranteed prize money, basically, if you show up at all the rounds. If you look at what it takes to fund each entry, obviously varies per team. Bigger teams tend to spend more, smaller teams tend to spend less, but still coming in somewhere five and a half, six million per car that 1 million ish little over 1 million per car makes a pretty big financial difference for a lot of teams that is something penske entertainment would absolutely threaten to take away start thinking about some of the other ramifications hey these vehicles need engines Chevy and Honda are partners with IndyCar. Would Chevy and Honda sanction the use of those motors in non-IndyCar events? It's really hard to imagine. So similar with Firestone. Sure, you might be thinking, well, hey, couldn't they go find other motors and couldn't they find other tires? They could. There's just no way IndyCar would welcome them back. Bearing in mind that the biggest team, the most recent championship winning team also happens to be owned by Roger Penske. You can take that one off the board. Having gone through the split, you could probably look at someone like Chip Ganassi and say, yeah, he's not going to break ranks. He knows how bad that was, how bad, Devastating it was to American open wheel racing. That guy's not gonna follow. Bobby Ray Hall, same thing. Been through it, saw its devastating effects. That is not happening. Dale Coyne, probably someone on that list as well who would say, yeah, not gonna do that. Uh even if it sounds really attractive for whatever reason, just can't exactly see him doing that. AJ Foyt highly unlikely uh aero mclaren that's not happening with them ed carpenter not happening whatsoever we're just running out of teams here hunko's hauling racing yeah um start to run through the engine tire scenario etc yeah uh this would require more than just hey if we want to go run someplace and do an event that the folks who own the series are steadily against. This is just something where there are so many ways to block it from happening uh, and or would lead to those teams being excommunicated. There is one thing for sure that is very different about IndyCar being owned by Penske Entertainment, and that is the expectation for Blind and permanent loyalty, fealty, bend the knee, bow the head. You are 100% with us or 1,000% against us. No middle ground. This isn't a live or LIV or whatever it's called, golf scenario, where, well, hey, okay, there's this big breakaway Golf series and they pay a lot of money and okay but you know if some of the more popular golfers still want to come back and play in the PJ tour we could probably kind of sort of maybe allow that to happen this isn't that <laughs> this is oh you break ranks you're dead to us uh see you later best of luck to you and the real issue here at least in today's environment christopher There's no base outside of IndyCar waiting to hop on something like this, right? All of those Indy NXT teams, Penske-owned series as well. Are they going to break away and go do some of these things and never be allowed back to Indy Lights? Not a chance. Are a bunch of NASCAR teams going to form breakaway IndyCar teams to run in this competing series or competing non points whatever events and such again you got to get cars you got to get equipment and yeah so uh i hear where you're coming from might have had same thought or two christopher ain't happening uh lance snyder say with the most joyous season upon us must ask what are your plans for festivus that's right your favorite holiday from your favorite show Uh, Tell us about your upcoming Festivus activities and what Festivus miracles can we expect? It's really interesting, Lance. Maybe what, in the last year or two, Comedy Central has started running episodes of Seinfeld somewhat constantly. And so now, more than ever, I have opportunities while going through the channels, because a lot of what I watch is in a, from at least out here, channel 720 to about 750, 755. So it's a pretty tight range there. And Cobbany Central falls somewhere in the middle. Um, And so I run across Seinfeld way, way more frequently than ever. And it is still the biggest piece of garbage ever made. Uh, How that stupid of a show ever became as popular as it was, just absolutely beyond me. I have never laughed, just period, just never laughed at it. It is so dumb. And so I appreciate your annual inquiry about my Festivus plans tied back to the show. And they're the same as ever. Um, Unfortunately, nothing happened, didn't celebrate it, didn't even think about it. Because why would I for such a stupid show? Uh, Andy Bauer, you say, with the uh, news about the Milwaukee Mile getting some upgrades. Any hope of a return for IndyCar in 2024? Yes. I would say there's some direct correlation here. Uh, IndyCar wants to go back. Told me they want to go back. Want to try and roll in one new race per year starting in 24. I would hope that Milwaukee might be the very first of the new additions. Also noting that there is a desire to add the Thermal Club if everything goes well here at the upcoming spring training session, first week of February. If everything goes well there, the owners of the Thermal Club and IndyCar all uh, decide that that's a good thing to do and they should come together and do it. That's another one with interest and potential. There's a lot of things that would have to happen would have to go from being a fully private facility to one that is, at least for the IndyCar race, a public thing and a thing that has grandstands and the ability for folks to come inside and watch and enjoy. Um, So, yeah, uh, plenty of work to do, but uh, we will see if and where uh, that ends up going. Uh, Uh, Robbie Berggren says, hi, Marshall. Do you know what is the biggest contributor to the engine leases being over the league mandated cost? Is it paying salaries of the support staff cost of the parts? And do you think that if the engine price was enough to keep the manufacturers from subsidizing the motors and instead spend that money on promoting the series, IndyCar would be in a better place? Uh, Also very kind of you to add continued prayers for you and your wife and give the kitties a little pet. Hey there, Rock and Rose. Uh, Robbie says, "What's up?" Um, it's really hard to put an exact number on the specific areas here, Robbie, because these are areas kept extremely private by Chevrolet and on a performance development. but the the basic contents of this is each brand has something like fifty to sixty engines in its pool. Uh, with each engine lease containing four engines, those engines meant to complete roughly 2,500 miles apiece before they're rebuilt. If you think about pretty sizable pool of motors, constantly building, rebuilding, freshening them, the development, constant development of those motors, trying to make them more powerful, more reliable, Greater fuel economy, etc. You think of the staff required to do that. You think of the costs of the parts and pieces and the labor as well. And just throwing in some other things like shipping. <laughs> hey, that's not cheap. These things weigh a lot, they get shipped all around the country. That's a pretty big bill each month. Uh, hey, we're going to throw these onto the dyno. Okay. And we're going to do tons and tons and tons of running on the dyno. Well, that takes fuel barrels and barrels and barrels and barrels of fuel just saying you start stacking up all the stuff that would be expected hey we got to order a giant batch of new camshafts because we came up with a better idea there or minutiae like shipping uh think about tech support right full tractor trailers that go to the events think about the travel involved with all of the tech support folks the engine technicians attached to each team each entry right uh for those leases hey you're gonna need to get on airplanes and stay in hotels and rental cars and per diem and right. you can see how <laughs> uh, this would be something that costs a heck of a lot per year noting that the development side the build rebuild replacement refurbishment the ordering, all the zillions of components within the motors. I think it's safe to say that, sure, if we went to lower-tech engines, I'm sure we could bring down the costs. Keep in mind that Chevy and Honda, and in theory any engine manufacturer, today at least, getting into 2023 almost, Playing in a series for some sort of modern promotional reasons. You know NASCAR' is a little bit of an outlier, although they you know promote that they use uh, fit, what 15 percent ethanol and that kind of stuff. But you know those are big, dumb V8s. There, there's nothing uh, about them that is really modern uh, if we're talking about hybridization, full electric vehicles, etc. The manufacturers who participate in NASCAR, I think, would tell you that they're there because it's a big and popular series, and whatever the formula is there, they're going to go with because it's going to help them to sell cars. Not necessarily the ones that are hybrids yet or EVs, but brand loyalty is certainly a big thing there. If you look beyond NASCAR, though, just about any other series that I can think of here that uh, is fairly popular, going to be plugged into some sort of modern approach. And so doing a low-tech, big, dumb V8 or whatever just doesn't fit the times. And so that's why we get these small, highly powerful, direct fuel-injected, turbocharged jewels made by Chevy and Honda. Obviously, we're going to be adding uh, an ERS to them here. So we'll be going hybrid, which is great from a promotional standpoint. Just getting here to, to close on the subject, Robbie, that the costs to support a big number of vehicles since Chevy and Honda split the field, some pretty significant costs that come with that. Dial that down to where they only need to support a third or maybe a quarter of the field. We had a couple of other manufacturers. I could then foresee costs going down significantly you no longer need an engine pool of 50 or 60 to keep in motion and fresh again that are always churning and being updated fixed uh if you can fix it replaced if they explode etc etc it's just a lot and so from that a lot there's a lot of resources required uh with with people salaries travel consumables machinables uh, yeah that's why each engine lease is some number well over the 1.3 ish million uh, per season per lease I think I wrote my estimate is somewhere around two million dollars per lease so yeah losing a good chunk per um, you could call it a loss I mean it's a marketing and, and promotions investment is what it is um, i don't see a way out of it right now um so that's why yeah um more manufacturers make things better for everyone until we get to that point oh, we're still going to see some pretty darn high engine lease prices uh, ta-ta, ta-ta. um ricky zagata you're asking about Uh, You said you're listening to the Dinner with Racers episode with Mario Dominguez. He's talking about his first win in Australia. Remember this race for the downpour and the massive crash at the start. What led to the decision to start and continue the race? Uh, I think that was like, what, 2003 or so? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, quote, retired at the end of the 2001 season. So I would have been watching it from home just like you. So wasn't there. And I don't know. Um, Why don't you... Reach out to Mario. Uh, I believe he's somewhat active on the good old social medias. So once you ask him if he knows? Probably uh, be able to point you in some sort of direction. Uh, Jamie Carr says, Marshall, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Santa lost a super license. And in the spirit of Tim Allen and Santa Claus, you're the new Saint Nick. Can I, Quick little sidebar here. How many Tim Allen Santa related movies are there? feels like they're growing. It feels like there's just is it one a year that's new? Is it like 3? I don't know. Is this a franchise? I just ask because looking through uh what our little fire stick uh Amazon portal to the world of streaming um oh, it it feels like Jamie the guy has like 40 of these movies and yeah uh i don't know if i've seen any of them um but yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know if he's my guy anyways you say uh, what gifts are you giving some drivers uh team owners and indycar staff which ones get the coal i think we know which ones get the coal um you know i think jay fry deserves uh a pretty big gift bag full of awesome um, sent him, uh, had a little gift made for him a year or two ago, um, which was kind of fun. It was a modern era AK 18 arrow screened, uh, 118th Indy car done up in full Van Halen, um, Frankenstrat livery cause he's a massive, um, Van Halen fan. So, um, it's happy to do that. Um, You know, I mean, in general, and I'll, I'll just paint a little generalism here. If we're talking about the people who run IndyCar in terms of the operations side from, I guess that even includes Mark Miles a bit from the CEO side, but I think of the legacy folks who were running IndyCar, when it was bought totally separate group than those who own indycar don't need to rehash all this because we've done this for the last couple of months as the bed poopings just grow and grow from the ownership side just a lot of terrible decision making very much separate from the legacy operations side mark miles jay fry Keep working on down, uh, good old Rocket Kevin Blanche, uh, Communications side. I know he was hired by the Penske folks. Davey first uh, got all the time in the world for Davey. Think you know, think so highly of him. Just keep working your way down from the the folks in registration, the folks who look after IndyCar medical, to just right, Mr. Safety Team. I truly have just got nothing but the highest esteem for all of them and have all the kindness and all the appreciation for them because these are the same folks who've been putting on IndyCar races for quite a few years now uh, under former Holman George ownership and now Penske Entertainment ownership. They're not the ones in the majority of instances who are pooping the bed. So to them, no diapers needed, no rubber sheets, uh, no hoses to wa- just so that they get everything. How's that? We'll give them a karmic spiritual, whatever you want to call it, just a big hug from all of us. IndyCars new ownership, newish ownership, the infallible ones who expect just a hundred percent loyalty no matter what. Um I'm going to pray for them. And I do mean that. I really thought of that before. I'm going to pray for them. I don't know if any or many of them actually are folks of faith, but nonetheless, I'm going to pray for them because they're the ones who concern the heck out of me. Um, They're the ones who've been leading to a lot of grumpy fans uh, for a little while now. So, yeah, I don't know if I have specific answers for you here. Jamie, maybe just an overarching one um no veins of milk videos that that's one thing uh nobody within the the operations side gets uh veins of milk video that's for sure because that would be really disturbing um brian cone all right hey let's stay on a related topic here uh do you say two questions How was the, quote, we are right, you are wrong attitude of any car, how has that attitude affected your enjoyment of your job? Um, you got a couple here, so why don't I start with that one. Uh, It's affecting it pretty heavily right now, Brian. It really and truly is. Um, If you have followed my work for whatever period of time, you'll notice that 5, 10, 15, 20 times a year, whatever the number is, I'll write things that are questions or probing or debate related. Hey, IndyCar has a possibility of doing this or that. And I really think they need to do that instead of this and I'll write that thing. With the knowledge that talking about a subject that y'all are thinking about as well, keep in mind so much of what I do is really meant to be a reflection of you, y'all, your input. Hey, we love this thing. Hey, we hate this thing. The Iowa tickets item, for example, it's 100% feedback coming in. I don't buy tickets for the races. I'm a member of the media i have an annual credential gets me in everywhere i have no clue um y'all say this is terrible and enough folks tell me that something's terrible i'm gonna write it and i'm gonna talk to people and verify it right and if it all lines up you're gonna see me write a story that's based on y'all telling me something's terrible or if it's great i'm gonna say that it's great but i do these things with a belief, and it might be fully delusional, Brian, but I do these things with a belief that opinion pieces and editorial pieces are meant to be thought-provoking, debate-provoking, something that has the potential for inspiring change. It might not but at least knowing there's the potential of, hey, really should think about doing this thing differently. A belief that by investing that time and effort to write that, research it, get other opinions, get quotes, whatever it is, that there's at least the potential for it doing more than just dying on the page. That's the thing that I'm struggling with most recently. We've gotten a pretty strong feeling from Penske Entertainment in recent months, really just in ways that we had not before. That hey, <laughs> you can write all your cute little articles that you want and say hey, this is wrong and this needs to be fixed and whatever. You 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 knock yourself out there, little fella. uh, Truly, don't give a fart. Just. You're writing that for yourself or you're writing that for whatever amount of fans. We're our fans. We, we own this. We'll do with it as we please. Granted, they fully have the right. It's not as if me writing something, anyone else writing something, doing an impassioned video or podcast or whatever. It's not like any of those things have to be taken in. They can all be fully rejected it's just not the way you hope it would be or the way that I think things should work. It's the, I never want to hear criticism. I never want to hear anything. Everything I do is perfect. Like, it's a really hard place to work from, Brian. And so it's not that I'm sitting here going, I want to write stories that tell IndyCar what they should do and I want them to listen to it and change everything because I said it. That's not it. It's the... If media and fans as well, this is the other thing we've learned. That's been another big revelation. Hey, y'all are really mad about this thing. Well, we're going to tell you that you're wrong and that we're right. And hey, the iRacing thing, well, y'all just aren't seeing this the right way. Hey, the Iowa ticket price, well, y'all just aren't seeing this the right way. It's this ongoing uh, offensive campaign to push back. I think I might have mentioned this week or two ago and if i did i pol- apologize for repeating it as i st- a stumble over my words so when we had the 2.2 liter motors are going to stay forever <laughs> uh press release coming out um what was it that tuesday i think uh during the IMSA gtp test um tuesday or wednesday whatever day it was um All the drivers got a call the day before from Penske Entertainment trying to rev them up and get them all on board to take to social media to support this death of the 2.4 liter formula. Again, we hope maybe someday it'll, uh, it'll come back to life, but... That represents a very different view, Brian, on the world. And I don't love that mindset because the mindset is this. Hi, we're about to do something that we know is not going to make anybody happy. And we are going to receive what we believe to be extreme criticism for this failure. So... We want to enlist our drivers to get out ahead of that. And the press release is going out tomorrow at this exact time. And we would love it if you would jump on your social medias and speak to your tens of thousands or millions of followers, however it might be, and tell them this is a good thing and we're the leaders in sustainability, even though we have done absolutely nothing yet to claim that um and boy this is the right move and so on and so forth and be our cheerleaders be our cheering section to try and combat this failure of ours i haven't gone and looked i probably don't want to go and look because it would just make me really sad for any of the drivers who actually did that to my knowledge from those that I spoke with, Mo said, you can pound sand. We're not going to be your shills, your PR reps going out saying, hey, gosh and golly, we're f- this isn't a failure. This is a success. Yay. Just the thought, Brian, of, hey, we're going to try and go get our drivers to be our shields on the good old social medias. Uh, to try and diffuse the situation and avoid any blowback. What, what kind of thinking does that require? And again, I appreciate from what I understand the majority of drivers who said, no, hell no. Uh, it ain't that kind of party, to quote Homie the Clown. Um, so yeah, that's a big big issue there uh let's go to your second question so you mentioned on the december 14th podcast uh, that you have your limits to putting up with the quote we are right you're wrong baloney says when you reach that limit and decide to leave indycar can i hire you to engineer me in some club racing events Uh, you say i promise silly amounts of fun a ridiculously fun race car and at least one throwback uh to the 1960s racetracks uh pay is expected uh dingy hotels and the best diner uh, food that money can buy in an open trailer, uh, an and easy up tent can be negotiated. I love it. You know, uh, <laughs> I think I do need to get back to race engineering, though, Brian. Even just on a club level, or you know, semi pro ish, maybe some road to indie ish type stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, boy. Uh, let's just say. <laughs> the amount of bills coming in lately oh yeah uh yeah. whiplash from looking at some of the numbers on those um so yeah uh, no joke i think i do actually need to add race engineering and driver coaching back in uh just because yeah uh yeah. so i don't know if that would quite fit uh unfortunately um but i love the invitation and if i'm ever in your area and have free time. Uh, I would love to come out and help uh, help you however I can. Uh, go play race car. Uh, da, 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 da. Nathan Adler, you say, What father and son, two car team, would you want to have for a season? You say, I assume both are in their peak form. Uh, say, Bobby and Graham Ray Hall, or Brian and Colton Herta, Al Sr., and Al Jr., Mario and Michael derek and connor you say i'll even throw in a Gilles and jacques villeneuve too huh. i mean you name most of the 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 ones i got to see mario and michael so that was amazing um as teammates at newman haas racing so that was pretty darn cool uh to who else bobby and graham would be interesting but i think they'd be arguing the whole time so i don't know about that before i read your your citation of brian and colton Herda, that's actually who came to mind uh colton would be faster both of them in their heyday like brian was very fast wasn't scary fast colton has that scary fast capability i'd love to see those two they have raced together once at least maybe twice um in sporty car stuff so that has happened i think who you know why don't we do this just because it's really one of the only major names that wasn't cited how about aj and larry Foyt? and again larry's his grandson but even so uh he's raised by aj called his son considered his son don't we go with aj and larry i think that might be a a blast uh you want to talk about some very different eras and approaches uh to things yeah i think uh i think that would be a heck of a lot of fun uh let's see where do we go next uh jj gertler say some of your recent ideas about opening technology rules seems boiled down to one question how do you get the next turbine car which is to say how do we give engineers the opportunity to think big uh, do you think that opening the rules would be met with resistance by team owners uh, who like the current cost structure and wouldn't want to see that changed would they be afraid that open rules would uh, benefit the deep pocket teams and and how would you balance the cost and performance yeah so couple couple little things here jj maybe a distinction uh, this would certainly be one for the manufacturers, uh, auto manufacturers, because if this is just opened up for teams to play, um, you know, I mean, there's some amazing engineers who would indeed come up with awesome and amazing ideas. But we do live in a time where those ideas need to align with the manufacturers, otherwise, the manufacturers go away. And when they go away, we then don't have engines, or if we have to go to generic motors. Uh, we're losing a lot of money, uh, from the paddock and that only hurts IndyCar. So I know no fun. I I apologize there. Um, I think I've mentioned some of this stuff before, but suspension side, there's some pretty cool, adaptive, electronic suspension in place in road cars why that has not been opened up uh, for areas of development i don't know i think that would be a pretty cool thing the electronic side is maybe the biggest one that i've mentioned for many years now like you think about a modern heck truck to an ev to a whatever you go buy something today and pretty good odds that you're going to have a high tech, uh, cockpit experience. Weird that we're supposed to be this fastest, most diverse racing series on the planet. And we're going to be going hybrid in a year's time and yada, 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 yada. And we've just got this kind of old, um, traditional cockpit, got a Cosworth, data instrumentation dash, Um, cool, awesome, whatever. But why is the the inside of the cockpits, why are they just so void of modernity? If you go get your base Tesla model or your base Chevy EV or name whatever else, you're going to have tablet-size stuff to work with, fully digital instrumentation, um, Bluetooth this and wireless that, and just, right, why is this not an area that is being opened? I've written about this before many times. Uh, Maybe I need to write about it again, keep writing about it, but again, uh, it seems to go nowhere. But, hi, Google, Uh, you've got a business relationship with McLaren uh how can we expand that hey google we are going to get you a dw12 tub with air screen fitted in and would love for your engineers to come up with ideas of how to load it full of amazing technology right google you sell phones too right and hey it runs on android software cool how can we on our cars since we have a pretty big partnership, how can we expand that to give you free reign inside the cockpit? And do you want to get into other areas of performance monitoring and data systems? And who knows, run down the list. Hey, Penske, Verizon's been a partner forever. I don't believe Verizon makes a phone, but there's got to be something here. They could do that might be really interesting. That's unique to them and hey, Andretti, And hey, Ganassi like, whether it's an apple a samsung a sony or what, like why is this not a big area why hasn't it been a big area of integration so i realize that this isn't you know coming up with a 1960s turbine car that turns the the racing world on its head but the costs are the big concern if you just open something like forms of propulsion to seemingly anything you want or aerodynamics wide open indeed the costs will kill the series because the halves will indeed spend like mad uh in ways that would be harmful um what i'd like to see although it would still be a spec car is something crazy futuristic We need to have a vehicle that is so advanced looking that looks like it's from 2050 uh, or the year 2100 that even if it's a field of 20 or 30 of them that all look the same, people cannot wait to look at them and go see them. Um, Not an evolution, the DW12, but an actual like, whoa, this thing looks like it's from outer space. I think that would be a big thing. That wouldn't be a team-based thing. That would be a series, and we know they're going to use Delar. have Delara make that. That, I think, would attract a lot of interest. I've already, I think, mentioned on the show here, in an eraser mailbag, we need to rethink engine approach. Can't have a single formula anymore. Everybody has to conform to this very tight, tight rule set. Need to have a decent-sized box where motors can fit in the back of the car and work and not be a liability uh, based on their architecture. Um, Beyond that, we really do need manufacturers to support the series and to infuse the series with the tens of millions that they do. And so working with them to make sure the engine slash hybridization electrification makes sense to them and their marketing and in sales needs i'm bought into that probably not going to stray from that but i think there's so much you can do around the car uh, that isn't being done right now like i said hey each manufacturer seems to be really coming up with cool electronic-based suspension let's incorporate that that's another area manufacturers where you can express your individuality uh, the electronics part could be wholly independent of manufacturers or if they're manufacturers that have alliances with certain, uh, tech companies or mobile manufacturers, etc., that could be a, a pretty interesting gateway there. Um, yeah, as for balancing costs and performance, I mean, I, I could probably come up with an answer to solving world hunger first, brother. Uh, gonna get down to the last couple of questions here and then say farewell to the episode. Um, Tyler Rhodes, have you heard any rumblings about Flat Rock Motorsports Park in Tennessee hosting IndyCar in the future? I've heard nothing. So no. Uh, any word on Perda Autosport is the general question coming in from Chris Kowalik. say happy holidays. I want to ask if there are any further updates on Preda Autosport. I'll assume it'll be a partial schedule again with Ed Carpenter Racing and Simone Silvestro, Uh, But are there more races or less? Are they closer to putting a full season together? Um, Don't know. Uh, Reached out to Beth a couple times in recent months, and for reasons unknown, she has returned zero calls. So I will happily get back to you on this one, Chris. If and when I find out, also have a little bit of a, you know, uh, don't make me chase you. Like, come on, <laughs> like we're all busy, so that's never an excuse. We're all, all of us are busy. Uh, we all, those of us who opt in, try and take care of each other. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, get a response. But if not, I will just keep motoring. Uh, you know. I'm just looking through here. Uh, Jeremiah Morrell, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I apologize, Jeremiah Morrell. Merry Christmas to you and your incredible bride, Sarah. Um, Asking if we got shaken in some of the recent earthquakes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Part of living on the West Coast, uh, California in particular. And I grew up right on the San Andreas Fault Line no joke like <laughs> right beneath our house kind of thing uh so yeah uh i only think of things falling when the earth starts shaking here and it's man i hope some of the stuff i have sitting on bookshelves doesn't fall over because i would suck uh yet to happen uh at least since we moved here three or four years ago so we're all good there uh you asked does anybody still run uh any dw 12s from 2012 um yes absolutely uh i was asked this question a month or two ago in the racer mailbag and reached out to the series and yes i think Andretti has one that's still in active use and was told there might be two or three in total uh original chassis uh, from that year that are still kicking about uh two questions to go fred Melky, you say how about an off-season interview with the owners of the new ozark international raceway before they opened a year ago they'd planned to get fia circuit homologation at a grade level to make an indycar race there possible um have you heard anything about this new track if not how about an interview or a podcast or a racer racer article about that um Heard about them, uh, seen some stuff about the track, saw the challenge of world challenge slash SRO Americas planning to race there and then not, uh, because the track wasn't ready. So yeah, um, more of a, let's see the thing kind of build itself up and do what it says it wants to do before shining, uh, spotlight on things, Fred, just cause you know, a lot of folks say they want to do a lot of things and then they don't happen or develop that way. And so, yeah, um, I have zero interest in doing an interview or a podcast or an article about them right now, but would certainly have more interest, uh, if, and when they elevate themselves to become a player that might have an IndyCar or an IMSA or similar want to show up and play. Um, Last question of the episode comes from Aaron Steinbrecher. This is wishing the Pruitt family a happy and healthy Christmas. I think, Eric, this might be your first question as well. Uh, you say, thanks for doing this for us fans. Well, you're welcome. I mean, I, I'm one of y'all. So, yeah, we all do this together. So, do you know if Honda and Chevy were led to believe Penske Entertainment would be bringing in a third-engine manufacturer still locked in? with the series for an extended amount of time. Uh, Yes, they did sign new agreements with the 2.4 liter motors. Um, Keep in mind, if I'm wrong, I guess I'd be wrong, but I don't think I am. I'm unaware of, say, Chevy signing a supply extension specifically for Two point whatever liter motor. Uh, and if it's not that, then we're out. As I understand it, it is, we're signing on for X amount of additional years. And those, there have been multiple uh, contract extensions throughout both brands' involvement uh, in this modern turbo V6 era. Uh, you say, so yeah, uh, I don't know the duration of the recent, most recent one, but yeah, I am aware that they're signed on for. A while, obviously, both brands, Honda being the real leader in this, uh, but both brands have said we're willing to turn off the 2.4 liter engines and development and reroute that budget to help get your hybrid package, this energy recovery system the hybridization we have bought into, the thing that is led us to say, aha, with that you will keep us, but without it you will not. The willingness to abandon basically the 2.4s, to keep the 2.2s, take the money being allocated to develop and build out this pool of 40, 50, however many motors and all these things, rerouting that money to helping to develop this ERS system and mass produce it that's really the big area here the mass production that's where it's been told by multiple 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 people who know this is where the main failure was expected to happen come 2024 going hybrid there would not be enough ers units to go around for the entire field to go hybrid so although I believe both brands are still figuring out exactly how they can help and get into this area to solve it. Um, yeah, you're going to have two big automotive companies saying, well, we do know a decent bit about mass production. So we'll step in here and intervene. Uh, they're doing all this, Eric, because they're committed to IndyCar and want and need IndyCar to go hybrid in order to keep them. So it's a pretty big movement of love, if you ask me, for them to be doing this. So I mentioned that because your next question is, if one jumps, will the other? They're doing things in order to avoid jumping. And so I think that's the main takeaway here. They want to be an IndyCar and they're willing to go to extraordinary measures to ensure IndyCar keeps them from having to jump. Because without going hybrid, I can tell you for sure on the Honda side, they're gone. As a brand, that is an absolutely unbreakable thing that must happen for IndyCar to go hybrid, for them to stay in and have the full buy in from a corporate standpoint and all the funding necessary to do it. So that's not happening, thankfully. Chevy, all in as well. Um, your next aspect of this, you say, what would the series do if the engines aren't there? Uh, is it even possible? Keep in mind that we've seen scenarios over the years where a engine manufacturer is involved in a series makes the motors themselves, or has a specialist racing firm make them for them, decide to get out of that series, and those motors stay just in an unbranded capacity. Mazda comes to mind uh, both in, well, primarily I should say in uh, Indy Lights, right? The, uh, the four-cylinder turbocharged motor made by AER in England, Advanced Engine Research, Paid for by Mazda, branded as Mazdas. When Mazda got out of the road to Indy, those motors stopped having Mazda on the cam covers, uh, and they've just been AERs. Uh, before that, we had the same thing in the Infinity Pro Series, uh, Nissan's upscale uh, luxury and performance brand. Um, those Nissan engines slash Infinity engines stopped being infinities and just became unbranded motors. Um, this happened, heck thinking back to like what 95 in cart, uh, Mercedes been in and involved on the Ilmore side and that stopped for a season. And so in 95, I believe, yeah, they were all just branded as Ilmore's. Um, Mercedes came back, did some other things, yada, yada, yada. But knowing that Roger Penske is the co-founder and co-owner of Ilmore, which builds Chevy's IndyCar engines, the main thing that comes to mind is that if we were to find ourselves in a place where Honda stepped away, uh, heck, even Chevy stepped away, the guy who owns the series runs the series, co-owns the company that builds half the motors. Um, In the absence of corporate support, at least those motors would still exist. And in theory, whether it's out of Roger's pocket, which is not something he's fond of doing, or who knows another brand, um, there would be 2.2 liter motors, plenty of them, uh, and potentially the need to build more and make more to support an entire field um that's what i think they would do uh if there were to be real manufacturer troubles um your last question here uh why is there so much resistance uh on making a new chassis happen from the series is this not an essential part of growth in any relevant series um yeah this is one eric where there are a couple team owners who are keen on going to a new chassis but not enough and so there's not a consensus that that needs to happen it's mainly on the costs everybody's tired of looking at the same things but also as each year goes by uh from amortization costs or, or whatnot these things just fall into a happier financial place for teams so most teams i should say the majority of teams are not In support of going to a new chassis. The biggest aspect to this, Eric, to close, the person who owns the series and owns currently the most successful team, the reigning champions, he does not believe new chassis are needed. So, since he now has the power to dictate when they do or don't happen, Uh, Roger is truly the person holding the keys to when IndyCar will go to a new chassis. He doesn't believe it's needed, therefore it's not happening. I also have to say if nine of the ten other owners, I think there's, what, ten IndyCar teams now, uh, if the other nine that aren't Roger all came to him and said, we need a new chassis, I'd like to think he would listen listening from penske entertainment and acting two very different things so yeah uh man we're, we're closing the show on a depressing note uh let's actually close on something that's not depressing and that is the prue day uh the official listener group of the week in any car listener q a show and all that we do here with a variety of shows uh that we put together um If you are looking for some racing friends, some racing family, some new folks uh, to interact with, to befriend, to talk about racing, uh, talk about everything else in the world, all coming from, as I understand it, a really positive and and warm direction, not the toxic folks that you find uh, on Twitter so often, um, you might reach out to them and say, hey, uh, would love to join in uh, send an email it's uh, prudayrocks at gmail.com p-r-u-e-d-a-y r-o-c-k-s that's p-r-u-e-d-a-y r-o-c-k-s at gmail.com send the pruday an email say hey would love to join in and usually within a couple of days some of the fine fine folks who uh who look after it and lead the fun uh, we'll get back to you and uh, tell you how to join in I think most of that's happening these days on Discord. So uh, do that. That will make for happy holidays, happy new year. If you're struggling at all, join the Pru Day. I think they're going to bring some warmth and some smiles to you if you know that they are needed. All right. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is our Marshall Pruitt podcast brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. I'll speak to you here really soon.